rather than speaking about the female share that is still quite low and rather than like speaking about what we could do to enforce more women to become founders. I think it just needs more successful role models um, that actually just have achieved something and then also inspire others to do the same. Mostly Awesome, a podcast about the wins and fails of innovators, brought to you by CDTM in Munich. Welcome to this week's episode of Mostly Awesome. Today we're talking to Veronika Riederle. Veronika is the co-founder and CEO of Demodesk, an intelligent meeting platform for remote sales. With Demodesk, Veronika was part of the renowned Y Combinator program in 2019 and has since grown the company to over 40 employees. After having graduated from CDTM and having done internships with Audi, Stylite and Outfittery, you might remember this one, we already had the co-founder Anna Alex on the podcast as well, Veronica started her career in consulting and actually worked herself all the way up to case team lead at Bain Company. Being one of the few successful female tech founders, to me, apart from being a great role model, Veronica stood out with her energy and focus, and I'm looking forward to an exciting conversation with her. Let's briefly have a look at what we discussed with Veronica. We started by gaining some understanding of Veronica's career choices straight out of the university why she initially chose to go into consulting and what she took out of this experience that has helped her in her later entrepreneurial pursuits. She also shared her opinions about the impact that you can have in consulting versus in entrepreneurship. In the second block, we directly focused on her experiences with founding and how she found the right person to co-found with at the right time. We got a peek into the processes of how Demodesk put a great team together and defined the company culture from scratch. You can also find out why Veronica is not afraid of her big competitors on the market. In the third blog, we discussed the topic of women in leadership and Veronica shared her thoughts about how we need more doing versus talking in this area to really shape and portray successful role models for young women. She also discussed how she balances being a founder and having a family and how having weekends off became her routine. Finally, she gave empowering advice to young women entrepreneurs. With that being said, let's hear what Veronica has to say. So welcome, Veronica. We're super glad you made the time to join us at Mostly Awesome today. Likewise, excited to speak with you today. So yeah, let's start right into it. Other than many of our guests we welcomed so far, you did not found right after finishing university, but first went into consulting. And this is a career choice I believe many of our listeners also consider as many are pondering between consulting and founding a startup. So I think it would be really interesting to hear a bit why you decided like that and what was the background there. So could you maybe start by explaining to us why you personally decided for consulting in the beginning and what are the pros and cons to it in your opinion? Sure. So I think it's actually a great question, especially because a lot of the people that listen to the podcast, as you said, are also considering whether they should join a consultancy or whether they should just uh, fund their own startup. So for me, I took the time to really find out what the right job would be for me during my studies. So I tried a lot of different things. I worked at corporates, I worked at Telefonica, I worked at a startup. So I worked for Stylet for over a year uh, when they were very small. I worked in academia, so I worked at the chair for entrepreneurship at the TUM. And then I also did an internship at Bain. 
briefly also thought about joining the finance industry. So I had an interview for investment banking at Deutsche Bank, but just the atmosphere there was not really for me. So I decided to not pursue that. But then like the only thing that was really left was consulting. And uh, yeah, I um, joined Bain for an internship and the learning curve there was extremely high. And just also comparing it to all the other jobs that I had before, I thought that this was the environment that helped me to learn the most in the shortest time possible. So I also signed up for a full-time job after my internship. Okay, I have a follow-up question there because you said you already worked at Stylight, which is for maybe our listeners that don't know, is also a CTM startup and they started somewhere in Berkeley or Stanford and then they became quite big. So you worked there for a year, but then you decided, okay, no, first go into the consulting. So what made you go to that decision? I mean, I said I was looking for something where I could just learn a lot because that is what I think is most important after your studies, that you choose an environment where you can, can learn as much as possible. And I just had the feeling that while I was working at Bain, I was learning so much in such a short time that this was just like a way, a better environment for me to thrive and to develop all the skills that I then also needed to found a startup after a consultancy. So for me, it was always clear since the beginning that this is only a, a station in my career. I just didn't feel that I had all the skills that I needed right after university to found my own startup. And also now looking backwards, I probably would have been too young and too junior. I mean, I left university when I was 23. So you just don't really know how to have a professional communication, how businesses work. I needed to learn so much before I can actually have my own business. Yeah. So what learning from Bain do you actually believe helps you the most today in terms of, I don't know, methods, mindset? I think there were a lot um, that I learned at Bain. I mean, I spent almost six years there. And uh, first of all, I definitely learned how to structure complex projects and how to rigorously prioritize with the very limited information. So I worked in private equity for two years. And what you basically do there is uh, you can cite private equity funds on whether they should invest in a certain company, so whether they should buy a majority stake in a certain company or not. And uh, these projects typically last only uh, four weeks. And within these four weeks, you have to fully understand an entire industry, an entire market, and then also have to understand whether the company that the private equity fund is looking at, whether they're actually positioned um, well in that market or not, and whether they're able to succeed going forward. And uh, four weeks is just a very limited time frame, especially when you're an outsider and have never worked with that industry before. And that is something that taught me a lot. Uh, so I worked there for two years and had a lot of like, uh, due diligences. So that is how you call these products. And I mean, also in a startup today, it's, it's very helpful if you know how to navigate in an environment where you just have very limited information. Uh, so that was one thing. And then the, the other thing was how to work with different people. So I had a lot of projects while I worked at Bain. I mean, this really depends on the discipline that you're focusing on and the area that you're focusing on. But for me, I had a lot of very short projects. So I had the possibility to work with a lot of different people, different managers, and was able to see a lot of different management styles and then also figure out what makes a good manager for me. Like really every single manager that I worked with had at least one thing that he did particularly well. And just observing that and then taking that as positive example to also help you develop your own skills is something that helped me a lot and also communicating with these different personalities and knowing how to basically get 
what you want from people while they of course all have different characteristics and a different work attitude working style especially also different nationalities which was also super helpful so it's definitely different to work with people from the US than working with people from Germany or the UK as I had a lot of projects outside of Germany and it was also very helpful and I would also recommend to anyone who really considers joining consultancy or to also works there already take the opportunity and also work with different nationalities and also take the opportunity to do an exchange and work from another country. So you said that you actually got to know quite different qualities of managers and that each of them have one specific one that they do especially well. Do you have one specific one that you do especially well? <laughs> uh, I think you should uh, probably ask uh, my team. <laughs> they would know better. I mean, Maybe one thing that I think I'm good at is I don't really have a problem with also doing very hands-on operational type of work. So whenever I work on a certain project or a certain topic, I would, of course, also always do the exact same work that I ask my employee to do for me. And just really together with them sitting on a table and helping them think through something. And if they don't know the answer, then we just would create some hypotheses in order to find the answer together rather than just delegating something and not giving any direction. I think that's something that, that especially for me, is uh, super um, important. Okay. So in this podcast, we talk a lot about having impact. And I think this is quite a fuzzy word and everyone kind of has their own definition for it. But is impact something that you consider in your career choices? And if yes, could you maybe try to make a comparison between the impact that you have in consulting to the one that you have in entrepreneurship? I mean, impact is a very broad word. So it really depends on who you're asking, like how you actually perceive the meaning of that word. I think impact can have different forms, right? So there can be a financial impact, especially when working in private equity for me. I mean, obviously, depending on what we said, of course, it would have a financial impact in terms of how much is the private equity fund pay and how well will that investment go in the future, right? Or how, like, whether that's an attractive one or not. I had definitely a financial impact. So that's one aspect. But the other aspect is, of course, also whether you have an impact on the company itself. So especially in working in a consultancy, you typically work on strategic problems. So you help the company solve problems that they're facing. And I think here you also have an impact on every single employee, meaning that when the company is set up for success and when you're successful in helping the company solving these problems, then you're also saving jobs in the long term and uh, making sure that like the company is set up for success and everyone is able to receive a salary at the end of the month. So that's another type of impact. And then, of course, there's the like product impact that we have. So now when working at DemoDesk and building a software that helps everyone to be a better sales rep or helps, helps everyone to have a better customer conversation, we, of course, also have an impact on like the individual success of a single person when they talk to someone else as a, also, like, again, a different type of impact. I don't know if that answered the question, but I think you were referring to the difference between consulting and a startup. And I think a startup also can have a different impacts depending on the product that you're building. But overall, like every startup is, of course, also solving a problem in the end and also has the impact of helping individuals or helping companies being more successful in what they do. Yeah, for sure. Is that something that you considered? Especially because I feel like there's so much talk around this topic. Considering career choices especially, I would be interested in understanding if this is something you thought about or you rather did whatever felt good at that moment or felt right. Very good question. So, I mean, when we founded the company, so when Alex and I started to work together, first we had the new approach to screen sharing. 
and that was very functional, right? So, so Alex initially just thought that the current screen sharing technology that is used today is just very inefficient because all the content that you would typically show during like a demo or during a screen share is already located in the cloud, stored in the cloud. And the only way of sharing that with someone is basically downloading that to your local environment and recording your local desktop screen and uploading the video again to the cloud in order to send it back to the customers. It's just an unnecessary detour. So in the beginning, he just wanted to have an impact by solving a technical challenge or by improving a technical process, which is the process of screen sharing. And then once we spoke more with customers, we also figured that we could just build an entirely different product that helps everyone just have a better customer conversation or better conversation in the end by, of course, also adding the audio individual conferencing part and then taking the interface that is already between you and the other parties or between salesrep and a customer in our use case, which is the computer. And there's so much data flowing through the technical interface that today is not analyzed at all in order to help you and support you be better at what you do. Which you can also like a little bit compare with a self-driving car, right? It's also yeah. processing the data in real time and then making it available to you so you can be a better driver. While when you're having an online communication today, there's nothing that assists you. And I think you can have a tremendous impact in enabling anyone to have a better conversation by using their technology and analyzing their data. So yes, it's definitely important. And I think also if you want to build a company that's successful in the long term, I mean, you need to have an impact. Otherwise, you wouldn't have anything that you could sell because in the end, you're selling a product that solves a specific problem of your customers or helps them automate and improve a certain process. And if you don't ever have an impact on the process, uh, on the problem, then of course, you also don't get money and you can't build a company. Yeah, definitely. One last question on this consulting topic, because you're talking in such an excited way about Demodesk. And I'm just really interesting because in my opinion, it's so different to, to consulting in the way that in consulting, you're restructuring and optimizing, right? And in, in a startup, you're like creating something and really want to innovate a market. So it's maybe to say like disrupting versus optimizing. Do you see it like that? Or how would you answer I think it's different. So working in consulting, of course, is like a different type of work than when working in a startup. However, I mean, it's somehow similar in the sense that you, in both cases, you're solving a problem. And so in consulting, you're solving a business problem. So you're just first generating a lot of insights, then you're documenting, analyzing these insights, then putting them on paper and developing a strategy that you then again implement with the company to solve these business problems. But in a startup, you are also solving a problem. So you're looking for a problem, then trying to build a product that helps your customer solve that problem. And uh, then just constantly iterate until you have a product that's good enough to solve a large enough problem. Um, so it's just like in terms of how fast you iterate and how fast things change around you. I think that's definitely different in a startup especially because you are constantly learning and you constantly have to adapt to a new environment, to a changing environment. Whereas in consulting, you are also solving a problem, but you have not complete information, but in a large company that already solves an existing problem for a large customer base, there's a lot of information that you can provide. Whereas in a startup, it's always changing, always adding, always coming on top, and you always have to adapt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that insight. Basically, problem solving unites these two. Okay, so now let's move to our next section from consulting to demo desk that you already talked about <laughs> with so much excitement. <laughs> so maybe to quickly give an intro to that. So you founded Demodesk in 2017 with Alex, as you already said. 
and you're enabling remote sales with this virtual screen technology. Basically, it's like setting up a virtual screen where you load the content to and it's a much smoother and more professional experience. And you were actually supported in the Y Combinator program as well in winter 2019. So that's already now three and a half years in making. But let's maybe go back first to the founding. What drove you initially to become a founder actually? Did you always know you wanted to found eventually? After the one year that you've worked at Stylite, did you know like, okay, sometime I will also found or was it just the timing that was right at that moment? A combination. <laughs> so I always knew that creating and building things is something that gives me a lot of energy. And so I just, rather than being on the theoretical side, I always like to build things on my own. And so that's the reason also why I always thought that being in a consultancy forever is probably not the right thing. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And then, of course, also I met Alex and I looked at a few different ideas before I started working on DemoRest together with Alex. And then, of course, also the timing and the person that you find in a company with has to be right. What do you then believe makes a successful startup? Definitely a combination of an existing problem. So the market size, in other words then the right timing. So, I mean, for us, there have been other companies who have tried to build something like we are now building before and it didn't work out of a few different reasons. And now it's just the right timing because the technology is now actually ripe to also develop a tool like ours. It's just a combination of a lot of different things that come down to timing. And then, of course, you also have to build the right team with the ability to execute and just with the willingness and ability to follow a very strong vision and mission and just not give up until you have achieved what you wanted. And I think that's probably like the, the most important trait, like not giving up, so just showing grit. Yeah. So with that technology being so much in the core of your startup with the virtual screen sharing technology, basically, how do you think about other bigger competitors maybe adapting to that technology? Is that something you're afraid of? I mean, honestly, no. Because in theory, like anyone can build anything in theory, uh, but in practice, it's quite tough, right? So first you have to have the idea, then the timing has to be right. Then you also have to have the ability to execute. You need the right resources to do it. And then you also shouldn't give up uh, along the way. So even like the combination of these five things is, is quite tough, right? So even though like the idea exists in theory, building it is the harder part. And then what comes on top, especially in our cases, our technology is quite unique. Uh, so we took us three years to build and uh, we're still building. And we also need to go very deep into our customers' use cases. Uh, we do integrate with their calendars. We do integrate with their CRM, so Salesforce, HubSpot, Pipedrive, and also automating the entire workflow around the customer-facing meeting. So it's not just the technology, but it's like a vertical solution that we're building, which also is something that you just cannot build overnight. And on top, the competitors, I mean, so far, we don't really have a direct competitor if we're competing with companies. It's more tools like Zoom or Google Meet or other horizontal conferencing tools, on our meeting tools, and they don't focus on a vertical use case. So even if they want it, or even if they could, I think they wouldn't want to focus on a very specific use case. They probably would always prefer to stay broad and horizontal. I mean, Google is a horizontal company. They wouldn't necessarily go into sales or into customer conversation. They're more focusing on horizontal features. So I think it's just not realistic that one of the big companies built the same thing that we are now building. But I mean, I don't know in the end. <laughs> but uh, that's nothing that keeps me up at night. It's a, it's a 
uh, definitely other things. <laughs> yeah. So besides this uh, technology, which is really unique that you mentioned, also the team was super deciding, right, to be successful. If I can already call Demodesk successful, which I would. <laughs> so what do you look for in a new team member? It seems like you're constantly hiring. So I guess you have quite a specific answer there. Yeah, overall, we're looking for entrepreneurial people who want to help us building the leading communication tool for customer-facing conversations. So just people who want to join us on our mission. And the hiring criteria, if we go more into the specifics, of course, really depend on the role. So we hire for cultural fit, so for characteristics that are the same for every role. We have five core values for the company that we have clearly defined and laid out. And everyone who is about to join the company also has to be a fit for the company culture, which is super important. And just to establish a common ground and a common set of rules that you live upon when working together. And then again, it really depends on the type of role that we're hiring for. So of course, everyone should be very good in what he does, what she does, but it really depends on the, on the skills that we need at this point in time. How did you come up with the company culture? Was this set from the beginning or did it involve a lot along the way? Yeah, actually, that's a question that I get asked quite a lot, uh, also from new joiners. So when new employees joining the company, uh, they also often ask, like, how did you come up with these values? How did you define them? So in the beginning, of course, it was uh, Alex and me discussing what we think should be the values that we want to build a company with. So we made the first draft. And then when the company got bigger, We also, of course, then asked the employees and asked the rest of the leadership team now, which we also just like, built half a year ago, whether they agree or whether they disagree or whether they have anything that is missing or that they want to add. And then we just revised the values recently based on their feedback. And now we established a second set of common ground rules in order for us to work together in a more proactive way. So we definitely think it's a, a process that needs to be started by the founders. And of course, the company in, in a lot of different aspects is shaped by the founders themselves. But then, of course, it also really depends like which type of people you're hiring and how you work together with them. And that was a process and not one specific one staged event. Yeah, makes sense. One last question on this leadership topic. I was really wondering, as a CEO, you seem to not go public so much or as much as maybe other CEOs are doing, meaning on LinkedIn, social media kind of thing. What do you think about this whole yeah, LinkedIn influencerism and how do you believe that networking should be balanced with actually doing stuff at your company? I think Demodas is still a small company, right? There's still a lot to do. So I don't have the feeling that I need to tell all the others how they should be doing things. I mean, might change in the future, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but so far, like, I just uh, I think my time is best spent on building the company and solving our customers' problems and really further building the product together with them and then hiring people to first make Demodas successful rather than me spending too much time going public, as you call it. So I think just in terms of where we are as a company, I think it's very important for me to really focus on the right things. Mm. So do you believe there's any point in time where you would say it makes more sense to focus on networking and then more sense on the operational side as a CEO? I mean, it's always a trade-off. I think you should always invest in your network and you should always invest in connecting with other founders, connecting with other people. I mean, I would consider myself having a strong network, definitely. So whenever I need help or whenever I have a question, I do have a lot of other founders that I can just reach out to and ask, uh, which is super important. And it's independent from having like a, a huge and large following on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever. 
even though I think on LinkedIn, I'm quite active because we need leads from LinkedIn. So it definitely has like a business reason. <laughs> and yeah, I think you have to do both, right? I mean, you definitely have to invest in networking as well. If you're like only focusing on work and if you're like a super introverted person, of course, it also over time can become tricky. And we also just today spoke with someone who will help us with PR going forward and who will also help us get more publications in media outlets and yeah, just raise brand awareness for Demodisk in general. That's definitely also important for building a company. However, I think it really depends on the type of product that you sell and the type of company that you're building. So there are like incredibly big companies where the founders are almost not visible at all in public media. So for example, Stripe is a tremendously successful company. And I mean, the founders, like they not really like showing off or going public, but rather than investing time in creating a social media following, even if they do have some, of course, do spend time on building the product and are more like the introverted types of people. And of course, there are also like other examples, especially in B2C businesses where it definitely helps if you push the brand with your name. For sure. All right, then let's move on to our very last block, which is about female leadership. We were wondering, what is your take on women in leadership generally? Is there too much talk around it already? Or should there happen maybe more to support ambitious women or to raise their ambitions in the first place? What do you think? Overall, um, I think doing is always better than uh, talking. <laughs> so rather than speaking about the female share that is still quite low and rather than like speaking about what we could do to enforce more women to become founders. I think it just needs more successful role models um, that actually just have achieved something and then also inspire others to do the same. Uh, so I think the only way out, if you want to call it like this, is to create positive examples and create role models. And also just in my case, I think it's better if I just first focus on building a successful company and like really becoming one of the most successful software companies in Europe or like overall globally, which is the ambition of Demodesk. And then of course, also indirectly creating more awareness for female founders and encouraging them to also found something on their own and not think about anything that could possibly hold them back. Okay, so maybe another question that you might get quite frequently. So how do you manage being CEO in a fast scaling startup while also having a family and a young child? Uh, and how do you kind of keep that balanced? Also, again, a few things that come together, I think. First of all, you need to have a good support network. So in my case, my entire family also lives in Munich. And my son has four aunts that also do live in Munich <laughs> and has two grandmothers and two grandfathers. So uh, <laughs> that also do love to spend time with him. He also, also invested a lot of time in finding the right daycare for my son. And so if you have good support, and your child can be raised in a good environment and is also a happy kid in the end. Like it also makes things easier for you. And, and if you can use family, great. If you can't, then, I mean, also just hiring someone, finding a nanny that maybe lives with you or, I don't know, just uh, supports you full time. It's super important here, especially when, I have, when you have a stressful job. And then on the other hand, it's also, of course, just prioritization. So uh, I also need to make sure that I do spend a lot of time with my kid, but also uh, sometimes it helps me to prioritize even harder on the business side. So uh, really thinking about what makes a difference during the day and what are the most important tasks to focus on in order for me to be able to then go home at uh, the end of the day and then spend time with my son rather than constantly working and always doing a hundred things at the same time. Yeah. 
Is this a mindset that kind of shifted once you became a mother and you had to take care of a child? Did you then start prioritizing or is this something that you always have been doing? I mean, I definitely learned uh, prioritizing when I was working at Bain. So I had to learn it uh, the hard way. <laughs> uh, but of course, it got even more important after I got my son. Mm. Is there any advice you would give young women who would like to found a startup? I mean, as we know, there are still quite a few of them. But yeah, maybe you would like to give something on their way. Yeah, I, I think if you want to do it, just do it uh, and stop thinking about things that could possibly hold you back. But rather than that, just think about what it is that you want to do and uh, how you can achieve it. And I think you can do anything that you want to. Just need to have the courage to try it and do it. Yeah, 100% agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have one more question, which is a bit of topic. But actually, we in, in our research, we listened to another podcast that you gave. And you said that increasing equality in the education sector is actually something that you also care about. And this is something I can also relate to. Do you have any ideas on how to do so? And maybe to give one idea, could we turn DemoDesk in a mostly awesome teaching tool, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> Depends on what it is that you want to teach, but yeah, like in theory, a great idea. <laughs> uh, you can, of course, then uh, after the podcast, uh, tell me more about your specific ideas. I think uh, just to come back to your question or to first to the first part of your question, when I was younger, I, I was convinced that people do have equal prerequisites. And uh, if you just wanted something, it's just easy, right? You just try hard enough and then in the end you'll get it. Uh, but over time I learned that this is just totally wrong. I mean, you're so much dependent on how your parents raise you, which values they imparted and also how much uh, they supported you uh, in your education. And uh, there's just a lot of kids that are not lucky enough to grow up with sufficient financial resources or support from their parents even. And also grow up in rough environments and I think providing education for free Promoting education and, again, also creating more role models is definitely a way out. But I think that it takes some more thoughts to solve the problem on a wider base, if it's even solvable at all. But if there is something that could help also kids that are not lucky by nature, that would be amazing. Yeah. Okay, so I think looking at the time, let's do our toolbox in the end, which are some short questions for you that we will sum up and send out. And let's start with the first one. What is a book that everybody should read? The Great CEO Within from Matt Mockery. I mean, it's a business book, but I think it's great. Okay. <laughs> Since you're talking about business. <laughs> All right, we'll check that out. What is an app that everybody should download? Spotify. Nice. Also, for music and the Mostly Awesome podcast, of course. Speaking of which, which is a podcast besides Mostly Awesome you love listening to? Uh, I love listening to the 20-minute VC from Harry Stubbings. Okay. And what is the routine that you follow? I don't have a lot of routines, I must admit, but taking weekends off is definitely a routine that I try to stick to. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think it's not incredibly exciting at all, but I'm not like the routine type of person, I must admit. <laughs> all right. And what is an innovator that everybody should know? Yeah, I thought about that and it sounds a bit superficial. The only person that really came to my mind is Elon Musk. I mean, he is already a well-known, but I like, honestly think that he's one of the very few impressive leaders. I mean, just from day one, he was following a very strong vision and like was seeing something uh, that no one did see back then. So, and not only once, but uh, several times. So first it was a self-driving car, then it was uh, the rocket that flies to the moon in a way that normal people could afford it. And uh, then it was the boring company, so the tunnel 
to solve the traffic problem in Los Angeles. I mean, just having these ideas and then rigorously just pursuing them and convincing all these people to follow him on his mission. I think it's incredible. Nice. I think this is a perfect statement for the ending. Veronica, thank you so much. If there was one guest I really wanted to have on our season, it was you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it was really a pleasure talking to you and hope to see you again soon. And best of all luck with Demo Desk, although I think you don't really need it. I think we, we definitely need it. <laughs> thank you so much. It was great speaking with you. So, Jim, what do you think about this episode? Yeah, I think cool in this episode was that Veronica has uh, some more steps to her career, like in comparison to some other episodes that we had, it was just entrepreneurs and Veronica had the perspective of being uh, for a long time in consulting, actually pursuing that path as well for quite a while and mm -hmm. then switching to entrepreneurship. I think that was uh, quite cool what she, could, uh, what she could tell us there. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. And what I found outstanding there was especially that like being a bit critical towards consulting maybe i think that she really had a point when she said that the problem solving skills that she used in consulting also apply to entrepreneurship so this was a parallel of these two that i didn't see before and i found it super cool and apart from that i also feel like she's she's really an inspiration like she is still so young and like so full of energy and yeah has has achieved great stuff so i think There's, there's all the way up, basically. Mm. Yeah, I think I like the approach of saying, uh, yeah, let's do more doing than just talking about mm. showing actually leadership in uh, also as female entrepreneur and so on. And I think that's that is a super important message and kind of just to get out there and get going and it will work out. And I think it's so cool that we can also portray that here in, in this episode, in this podcast, that just give it a shot. and it, Yeah, like, totally. And actually, I think this is this is the thing many times, right? People have these ideas and have all the skills, but just hesitate so much and so long and never actually start. So I think this is a really cool message to take away from this episode as well. Cool. So then we can only say this is the wrap for another episode. We hope uh, you liked it. Always feel free to reach out to us at podcast at cdtm.de and we are also excited for our next episode which is with Jakob Asman. He is founder of Polar Stern Energy. You might have heard, you hopefully already have their energy. If not, <laughs> uh, wait for the next episode. See you then. Thanks for tuning in.